Chapter Nineteen of the Pirate Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pirate Woman by Aylward Edward Dingle. Chapter Nineteen. While Victory Hangs in the Balance. The cry rang through the grove like a trumpet call, and the fight was stayed instantly. Every eye flashed upon the bringer of the news, and behind him stood Pascarette, partly hidden by the trees, her small eager face peering from behind a trunk. And as she took in the scene a great terror stole into her eyes, and her lips opened in a gasp. The octoroon had played her great coup. She had carried a lie to the pirate, hoping that his telling of the treasure to his fellows would precipitate such an assault upon Dolores that nothing could survive it. Now she saw the attack already launched without her connivance. She saw the pirate dead, and saw Stumpy and one of the strangers stoutly defending the queen. As she stared at a loss, Caliban staggered out in front again, clutching at his wound, and screamed, Satan seize ye if that witch escapes ye now! Tear her down! Tear her down! Then none can keep the treasure from ye! His last word ended in a sob. From the hidden giant another dart was sped truer, and Caliban pitched headlong on the steps of the altar. And Pascarette, terrified now that they would leave their work incomplete, swarm after the false treasure report, and thus leave her at the mercy of the enraged Dolores, frantically sought for Milo among the press. She knew nothing of his secret duty with the blowpipe. Seeing nothing of him among the defenders, she surmised he was inside on other duty bent. In desperation she placed all upon a single hazard, and running out into the grove she screamed, The man lies! It is a lie to make ye forgo thy vengeance! There is no treasure taken away! Make thy work complete! A medley of conflicting cries arose as the pirates again separated into three parties. Hanglip's crew, with those of the fallen Caliban, detached themselves from the rest, and from two sides threatened the altar, where Dolores stood like a statue glaring at her maid with deadly fury. Hanglip himself seemed irresolute in the face of the maid's denial. He stood with cutlass raised, not yet sure whether to attack, or first see to the treasure story. The decision was made for him, for the pirate bringing the news seized Pascarette in a fierce grip, and with knife at her breast shouted, "'This little snake told me the loot was going, lads. Get the job over as I do this.' Pascarette squirmed in the pirate's grasp, but all her cunning now could not avail her. The knife flashed downward, and she fell to her knees, her tiny golden hands pressed to her side, blood trickling through her fingers. And her face froze in a mask of horror, when from behind Dolores stepped Milo, armed with a great broad-axe, and bent his deep black eyes full upon her with terrible accusation in them. The giant saw the coming storm, and knew the futility of trying to stem it with his blowpipe. He emerged armed with his axe at the moment when the pirates, answering their mate's cry with a shout, surged up the altar-steps with blood in their eyes. Dolores now shook off her seeming unconcern, and with alert vision took in the tremendous crisis. Stumpy's band, with Pierce at their leader's side, had been driven back in the first attack to the rock itself and now stood with their backs to it, grimly waiting for the second onset. They had fought hitherto for her. She saw to it that they did not change their allegiance. Leaping up to the ledge behind the altar, she cried, Stumpy, thou art my man. Bring thy fellows up here. One man may hold a score here. Milo, 
Make way for my faithful ones. With Stumpy on the ledge and his score of men, the battle became dead for the moment. Few of the pirates had firearms except on forays, and then their ammunition was doled out to them. By this means they had ever been kept in subjection, and now the plan was to prove their undoing, for they could not reach their prey, whose cutlass points presented an insurmountable barrier to their storming the rock. And with John Pierce up there among the defenders, Tomlin and Venner found themselves wondering just what their own position was. They, unblinded by the rage of the pirates, saw the futility of storming that rocky wall with steel, and in the momentary hush and indecision they withdrew from the mob and stood apart, thinking over what was to come. To Dolores the hesitation of her foes was something she could not brook, for her great hope now was to set her rascals at each other's throats, to their ultimate annihilation. She whispered into Milo's ear, "'Get thy blowpipe again.' send a dart into hanglip's black throat and let every man see how tis done the giant obeyed the slender six-inch dart sped fair to its mark and hanglip dropped but as he fell his eyes saw as did his men whence had come the mysterious death that had already taken heavy toll among them and dolores saw her plan work to an amazing effect for hanglip with his last wheezing breath raised himself on his elbow and barked now ye see the magic "'Tis but a man's breath. Up, lads, and take pay for me.' The assault started in grim, silent fury. In waves the attackers mounted the altar. Men gave comrades backs, flung them upward, only to catch them again as they recoiled from the steel of the defense, like broken seas at a rock base. But as the fight advanced, and stricken men were piled high on the great altar, attacking steel reached higher and began to reap results. Stumpy's men, now fully persuaded of their queen's regard for them, fought like paladins, roaring out their rough sea-cries as they cut and stabbed with increasing gusto. Even Pierce fell under the spell of fierce action. His rapier played among the heavier strokes of cutlass and broad-knife like summer lightning. And did a hardy pirate gain the ledge in spite of all, there stood Milo, like a bronze fate, with deadly axe poised to turn success into death. Yet Stumpy's little band grew less, and Dolores, standing over all like an angel of doom, saw that something must be done speedily, unless she was to be left with too great a number of survivors from this lucky conflict. Make a swift assault, Stumpy. Milo, swing that great axe of thine for only five minutes, she said. Then when the fight raged higher yet, she drew Pierce by the arm into the secret entrance. Here, friend, are muskets and pistols. Load them while I pass them out. We shall see how hungry for our blood these wolves are. She showed him the store of arms in a small cave next to the powder store, and musket powder and bullets were also there. As he loaded the weapons she passed them out in armfuls, then gave Stumpy a flask of powder for priming, and told him to hold out until Milo could bring up other resources as yet unknown. And, she said, leading Stumpy inside for a moment, Here you see a powder train. There on the floor. Now hear me, my faithful one. Should thy foes still beat thee back, bring all thy men along this passage. But before ye come, touch a fire to this train. I shall await thee at the end, Stumpy, and together we shall see these dogs destroyed. She called Milo, gave him a command, and then took Pierce with her into the great chamber. Here she answered his questioning glance with a soft smile and seated him in the great chair. Thy sword has done nobly, good John, she said, laying her hand on his head. 
the peril is over now rest in a little while milo will have that which will fill these hungry dogs to the gullet rest here i'll soon be with thee she leaned down laid her lips lightly on his face and whispered and be of good cheer the end is in sight for thee and me she left him sitting there wrapped in his confused thoughts then she flew to help milo with his new engine of war which was to decide the day from a corner of the apartment the giant dragged a brass culverin mounted on a swivel stolen from the poop rail of some tall indiaman in years gone by this was charged with powder and milo searched for effective missiles for it he brought a handful of musket balls to dolores she shook her head decidedly after a moment's thought and objected those round pellets are too merciful for such cattle what do they want treasure give them treasure good milo they're fill of it as she spoke she ran swiftly into the treasure chamber and seized handfuls of gold chains while at her command milo followed her with great gold coins in his huge hands these they rammed into the cannon until links of gold fell from the muzzle then dolores regarded the terrible thing with a mirthless laugh and bade milo get to work with it bid thy men fall back into the gallery as if beaten she said and when the vile bodies of those howling wolves fill the opening deliver the treasure to them and may their souls be shattered with their bodies and that none may remain to repeat this day's mischief when they break and fly loose stumpy and his dog shall harry them and pursue them into the depths of the forest let the maroons finish what we so well begin see thy gun does not harm the wait she cried hold thy artillery until ye see me across the grove i shall give thee a sign then loose thy hell-blast leaving milo she ran again through the great chamber and out by the rock-door which was rolled aside and standing open then around the mass of the mountain and skirting the grove past the prostrate pascarette she sped casting a glance of bitter hate at the sorely wounded octoroon but never halting until she reached a point of the underbrush immediately behind the spot where venner and tomlin still ranged back and forth uneasily watching the fight she rustled the foliage noisily and the two men swung around in alarm she thrust her head through the leafy screen and showed them her face full of tender solicitude her great dark eyes were very soft her scarlet lips were parted in a rosy smile venner glared at her then flashed a glance of reawakening distrust at tomlin who returned it tenfold peace good friends she said softly laying a finger on her lips and nodding toward the raging battle come with me both of ye the day goes badly with me and i would undo much that i have done toward ye come quickly and with caution a momentary distrust for her made them hesitate then she whispered intensely haste this is your opportunity venner first shook off his moodiness and followed her into the brush and tomlin was close behind him when she had them in covert she stepped out once more and waited to catch milo's eye at the ledge then gave him the sign and the defenders fell back as if suddenly broken and beaten she waited still until the attackers swarmed over their own dead stamping over her altar and gained the entrance where they crowded in a milling roaring mass then she glided back to the underbrush and said tersely come venner and tomlin walked on either side of her not caring to meet each other's eye for their subjection to Dolores's spell was complete whenever in close proximity to her. Hurriedly she led them around the cliff to the great entrance, beyond which they had never stepped, and they went full of tremendous hopes and suspicions in which the hope predominated. They failed even to cast a look at their schooner, then lying free at anchor, 
with a few men visible on her decks. Three of the pirates' longboats lay on the shore abreast of her. They stood in the entrance to the great chamber, sensing some of the awe that filled the mysterious place, peering into the gloom where the ruby lights now failed to cast their glow in the broader light of day, entering the open aperture. Dolores led them in with a gesture and a smile, and they reached the massive plated sliding door and stood beneath the yellow lantern, gazing in speechless wonder at the richness of that barrier. And while they waited, mystified and uneasy, from beyond the mountain came the crash of Milo's gun, and the tremendous discharge reverberated through and through the rock, making the passage where they stood rumble and quake as if the mountain were about to fall. Their faces went white, and Dolores gave them a reassuring clasp of the hand while she pressed the side-post of the door and started the pulley and weight mechanism that would give them entry. "'Welcome, friends.' Enter, she smiled, standing aside to permit them to pass. And Rupert Venner and Craig Tomlin, forgetting their gloomy thoughts regarding each other, entered the great chamber and were brought to a sudden halt, at the sight of John Pierce sitting at his ease through the strife in the high chair of state. End of section 19 Recording by Philip Gould